Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 1.2 of the More Than Just Code podcast. Today, I'm joined by Aaron Bay with the Ontario. Hello there. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And you know how tempting it was to say, how is it, how's it going? <laughs> um, <laughs> and we're not going to have Mark, uh, Mark Rubin today. He's, he's uh, stuck at the office slaving away on that big secret app of his is it in fact a secret is that yeah we yeah no we when you guys find out what it is you'll go oh my god really omg wtf oh bbq er my god er my god er my god yeah anyway so uh so it actually is episode 26 i was being facetious of course when i said that because we just had a rollout of swift 1.2 with the xcode 6.3 beta or beta as the english say i found out this weekend in um RWDevCon. Ding. So, uh, thank you. Why don't uh, I throw it over to... One of us. Jaime. Jaime. <laughs> whoa, whoa, okay. That's a surprise. <laughs> so, um, a new beta came out. It has Swift 1.2. You know, it mm-hmm. comes with Xcode 6.3. And it pretty much solves every problem that Aaron talked about in the LOL. previous podcast. <laughs> Okay. We shall see. <laughs> Jaime, have you tried it? I have. I have not tried it. I have. Uh, I have tried it, and that is okay. all I can say about it. Really. Um, well, let, so we should probably talk because, about what yeah. what is new in it, though, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's yep. that's pretty much the the first the first step. <laughs> what's what's okay. different? Um, Jaime, are you going to do this or shall I? Well, so I mean, the things that. Apple put on its own blog were like compiler improvements, like incremental builds. Hey, what a fantastic concept. Let's not rebuild everything just mm-hmm. because one little thing changes. That's rebuild nuts. the thing that changed. Um, that I think it might be the biggest gain for you. I don't know what that means yeah, on, a, on a larger project, but yeah. hypothetically, it's better for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then stability improvements. I know both you and Tim have complained about SourceKit just randomly crashing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So fewer, it says fewer source kit warnings. Yeah, not zero, out. not completely eliminated. Makes yes. you wonder, doesn't it? Like, what the hell is going on with source kit? Like, yeah. you know, how, yeah. what kind of janky piece of crap is that? That it is so <laughs> unstable. I'm sorry, but there it is. I mean, can that? Could you make something less stable? I, I'm sure it's a tough piece of software, but holy cow. Yeah, yeah, it, and it, it is fairly fairly disruptive. I mean, even it, I know we're going to talk about RWDevCon later on, but like you know, you'd be sitting there working away on a on a project, and you know, the, your instructor's talking to you about you know really long, complicated things. Source kit would crash, and then your autocomplete goes away, and then you're like, ah, what are we going to do now, right? So yeah, and your syntax highlighting, right? Yeah, so we we had it, we had so there was a way around it, but yeah, that that's source kit crashing is is a huge huge thing, so. It's just become a fact of life, you know. One of the pres- it happened to one of the presenters on the screen, and she just sort of said, "Oh well, there it is." Everyone knows. Yep. Everyone's seen it, mm. right? You know. Yep. But you know, if you're at Apple and you're the guy or girl that's responsible for SourceKit, 
You know, do, mm-hmm. do the, does everyone else kind of stare at you all the time? <laughs> do you just you wear a, a rotten banana on your head? What's going on there? That's what I'd like to know. That's funny. <laughs> uh, I hope that years from now, the story of these days comes out and we can find out, you know, what, what was going on here. I, my breath remains on health. But maybe we should maybe for our, our more than cut just code podcast we should have sort source kit crash logo on there. Mm. Anyway. Well, you might do that for the, the Twitter feed for next week. Uh, I don't know. That's true. <laughs> um, Good idea. Uh, the other thing, Jaime, you mentioned is uh, uh, that they're here saying is better compiler diagnostics. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's also a huge thing that I've been complaining about. So mm-hmm. um, now here's the thing: I haven't tried any of these things yet because. Um, also bundled in Swift 1.2 was uh, a bunch of changes to the actual language. Mm-hmm. So uh, this evening, earlier on, I, I had downloaded the, the new beta and uh, ran it on my code base that I'm working on in my day job right now, which has all this Swift, which has prompted all the discussion that we've had of late. And uh, the first thing that happened is I got a ton of errors because mm-hmm. my Swift code is no longer uh, compilable. <laughs> right, um, right. One of the things that is now included in Xcode is a conversion tool to upgrade your code from Swift 1.1. Is that what it is now? 1.1? 1, 1? Uh, yes. To 1.2. Um, and, and how did that go? Well, I tried it just for laughs. And yeah. uh, I, didn't, I wasn't actually able to finish it because what it does is, uh, you know, just like any other conversion process, like going to ARC, for example, or, quote, modern yeah. Objective-C, is that it shows you a, um, a diff tool. Mm-hmm. that shows you the current state and what it's going to do. And, you know, to be a responsible coder, you should really examine each of those changes before agreeing to them. I wasn't right. just going to say, yeah, go for it, do it all. Mm-hmm. I, I just mm-hmm. couldn't do that. Um, however, there in, in my project, there are some, you know, 30 files that are written in Swift, each of them with multiple changes inside of them that would require some review time to go through and make sure they're okay. Right. So right. I just, I, I had to abandon the process. Um but, you know, that's, you know, the, the thing about using Swift in production code right now uh, is underlined, you know, huge mistake. Don't do that because mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have the responsibility of keeping up with that. Um, you know, and we've seen applications uh, come out that Apple has promoted themselves. Um, the names of them leave me, but, you know, I'm a little mm. surprised every time I see it, you know, like a, a big name company saying, here's our, here's our new app and it's written completely in Swift. My thinking right. is, wow, how did you even do that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. it certainly took longer than it would have otherwise. I'm sure of that. Um, but once it's in a binary, it's not going to change. No, it? it's not going to change in the binary, but if you want to continue yeah. working it, um, obviously yeah, yeah. you've got to, you've got to maintain right. your code base and, and update your code base for the changes right. in the language, which, Apple has said, of course, is going to happen. Yeah, we should also point out to the new listeners in the crowd that um, if 1.2 is still in beta, so you can't submit apps to the App Store with it. Quite right. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> I don't know if you know the, this version numbering system that they've got here. Like, can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think I get where you're going with that. I think it oh, sounds good. good. Yeah, well, I, I'm a little concerned, right? Because to me, this is not a final language. It shouldn't be a 1.0 at all, uh, mm, or in the 1.0 right. series, let's say. Good point, yeah. You know, when if we think of semantic versioning, and Apple is, you know, typically they're pretty good about semantic versioning, you know, like with the, the major, minor, and, and uh, point releases. Right. Um, that that kind of system sort of describes what, you know, the state of the project is in. And... Swift being at a 1.0 back in September, right. I don't think anybody could have recognized that as anything close to a final language. Um, and obviously, 1.1 came out, all new features. 1.2 comes mm-hmm. out, all new features, including mm-hmm. you know something like sets. You know, we've got sets yeah. now. You know, you can yeah. the you know we've got an as bang for <laughs> for for different casts, nullability. We've got a whole bunch of changes. You know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they should be tweaks. They should be performance improvements things like that but not not new syntax that's to me just seems like this should have been a a 0.5 in september and a 0.6 and then a 0.7 now for example Mm -hmm. you know you know come up with whatever you like but it's not a it's not a 1.0 in my mind what do you have to say jaime i would definitely agree with that i think swift as a language really it it needs a beta label on it because that's what it is it's I mean, 
don't get me wrong, lots of great stuff is going on. I mean, everything that they added in the 1.1 release and that they're adding in 1.2 are fantastic things. But I agree with Aaron here that that's not a 1.1 and a 1.2. That's that's a whole half version. Arguably, it it either shouldn't have been a 1.0 come September. Mm -hmm. If there were marketing reasons for that, it should not be a 1.2. It should be like a 1.5. Yeah, I wonder though. I wonder though if they had to enable it when the 1.0 simply because of the fact that they wanted to start receiving apps on the App Store, they had to they had to have some sort of legitimacy to it, right? They are moving so they, quickly. They would get laughed at it by the other other companies out there if they you know had a point a point zero point five or whatever. Well, possibly, yeah. it's just that you know Apple is out there saying this this language is is ready for prime time. Yeah, yeah, and like they just you know. <laughs> technically yes technically you can totally publish yeah. apps with swift but calling it a 1.0 suggests that this thing is is set in stone um well even their own documents like they have some guide dog as you know i teach ios so i, I keep an eye on on the their public published guides on how to do stuff right they just iterated and updated one of their guides to include size classes and stuff like that in it but it's still written in Objective C, so I mean that you know they're still teaching Apple themselves, teaching the new users to use Objective C. You know, so well, it's just a, a, a symptom of how the language is still spreading throughout Apple, yeah. right? Well, that's you what know, I mean. It yeah, caught exactly. them as flat-footed as it caught us. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, sure. That'll change, but I think given even the remarks that Tim Cook has made uh, in the last uh, quarterly financial results call, you know, he actually name-checked Swift. You know this. This thing's for real, you know. Apple's very serious yeah. about it, and there's there's no denying that they're investing a lot of uh, of political capital, if you want to put it that mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. into Swift. And mm -hmm. so they're gonna they're gonna ram it through, even if it, you know, they have to break a few rules. I would say, and the semantic versioning rules, I think, um, is is definitely going to be a casualty of their process right now. Right, right. Hmm. You know, I think as a a good rule of thumb. If I had seen a CocoaPod do this, I would have been upset, ridiculously right. upset with a CocoaPod that, that did this sort of nonsense with the versioning. Um, but it's not all gloom and doom because kind of going to that point you just made about, you know, Tim Cook actually name checking Swift and, and kind of giving it more legitimacy. And this, you know, we talked a couple episodes, maybe several episodes ago about some folks in the community wondering, well, is this just another Java for Cocoa sort of thing where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you know, it's not really going to happen and, and, and Apple might just, you know, go away from it. Um, yeah. open, open Dock and CyberDog and all, all that kind of stuff that they, they get behind. They put the, they have a big push on it. I was actually just thinking the same thing a few minutes ago when you guys were talking. And, like, what are the chances that, you know, we all invest all this energy in this thing and they kind of go, you know what, eh, maybe not. Well, that's the good thing, right? You know, with all the messaging coming out of Apple, I think we can dispel that very clearly. Mm. But not only messaging, but it, what I see here, and I'm looking at the blog from Apple itself here, mm -hmm. the fact that they made a change to Objective C, or at least you know macros related oh, to, to Objective yeah. C to yeah. help along, you know, Swift compatibility tells me a lot. Sure. Right. Like yeah. they didn't change anything at all for the longest time. How many, How long was it that we had to create arrays with like, hey, give this whole list of things? And oh, by the way, put a nil terminator in there for reasons. <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, like, oh look, you can just use this native syntax. It's like the shortcut way of doing all of that. It's like, hey, the that's great. array literals. You mean, eh? Yes, I could not yes. remember the name of what it was. <laughs> yeah, array literals and dictionary literals and uh, and number literals. Uh... They're great. They're fantastic. Uh, but they've, mm -hmm. they've, they've been improving Objective-C for some time, like for a number of years leading up to the introduction of Swift. Um, you know, I think anybody, you know, up to a year ago uh, would notice a huge difference between the Objective-C that they're using, Objective-C 2, and, and you know, what uh, when, when OS X first came out. You know, the, mm -hmm. the kind of code you had to write was, was quite different. You know, there was mm -hmm. definite improvements to the language over time. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I would expect not to see many more, though, <laughs> given the focus on Swift now. But you know they aren't they aren't leaving it alone either. No, no. Did you guys have a chance to look at Greg Eo's um, document on what's new in Swift 1.2? He gives a sort of more layman's uh, um, approach to uh, what's changed for 
you know, those of, those of you who may not understand the Apple Doc, and then I think um, NS Hipster had a post too yesterday, right? Yep, um, Nate Cook wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, he's just basically describing um, the changes and showing examples, which is nice. Uh, something mm-hmm. that um, Apple's blog post did not do. You talking so. about a fellow member of Taco, Greg Heos? Talking about? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. It's in it's in the podcast notes. Hmm. So, well, so so the Where? the one that's on NS Hipster um, starts right off with the one that Apple's own blog kind of casually mentions and doesn't give you the the real flavor. That's the the optional binding and. You no longer mm-hmm. have that pyramid of doom, where if you had to have several let statements that mm-hmm. all, you know all these conditions had to be true, you'd had this big pyramid of doom where you can imagine the if statements being nested as you went if a if b if c right. if right. c is not some condition. Do this something. is wild. And it's mm-hmm. it's sick. It's like if it's let like a, a equals a, b equals b, c yeah. equals c, where c is not equal to zero, just one tiny little you know yeah. one line statement. Now, do, mm-hmm. now all these preconditions have been met. Do this other statement. That's that is enormously powerful. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they Amazing. show it being used for um, one of the areas where we talked about specifically Swift was, you know, was weak, and that was JSON parsing. And instead, yeah. it just it, I'm looking at this example here, and it looks fantastic. I can instantly understand what's going on. Wow. Okay, I'm just looking at it now too. Yeah. So huh. if if I have my path to you know to my NS bundle, my URL, my data, user list, mm-hmm. just extract all these things, and if all these things are great, you know, so they're checking for the ID, the name, the email, and address, and this example JSON. If mm-hmm. all of that's true, create a new user with that information. So simple and awesome. easy to to compare with the the JSON example that they give you and say, oh yeah, I, I get what that's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow! Look at this. Mm. <laughs> this is dare I use the word sexy <laughs> oh yes I did it's a good thing you're under the blanket yes <laughs> just me and Swift cuddling up close so warm that's a book title right there sexy Swift <laughs> we should write that it could be <laughs> hey, that's, that's the title of our podcast oh no no <laughs> the subtitle twiddling the bits Oh, God, I'm stop it. Stop that. Here. I'm writing it down. Oh, you're making me, making me a little sick. Uh, that's really nice, though. That's that's a great feature. So what do you think about the nullability stuff? That's kind of cool. No? Yes? So you're referring I, I to the, I didn't the really understand this. we're talking about, right? Yeah, have a look at Greg's document. He, he does explain it fairly well. You keep talking about this document, and uh, yeah, frankly, it's not in our document. document. It is so. Well, show me. Where? Prove it. It is. It is. It says it's the third one down. What's oh, new in Swift? 1. On Ray 2. Wenderlich. Well, yeah. Who do you think Ray uh, Greg works for? I have no idea who Greg works for. I barely know. He who works for. Oh, uh, well, uh, you know, Greg. He works for RayWenderlich.com. Ding. <laughs> I'm just every time you say Ray Wenderlich, I'm just going to say ding. I, okay. I thought of that last week in our podcast <laughs> as I was listening. I was like, you guys, you mentioned those guys an awful lot. I know he should sponsor us. Pretty he? much should. <laughs> Uh, okay, right on. I, I will read Greg Ho's, uh, you know, as usual for Ray Wenderlich, um, deep and ex- exhaustive coverage of any given topic. That's not that deep. Well. But it is handy. I will check that out. It does explain it stuff. Greg also is the one that I talked about last week who wrote the uh, style guide for Swift. Or compile it, I guess. For for Ray Wenderlich's site. Ding. Ding. Um, you know, one thing I want to say, though, about this new beta, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe you've had this issue as well, is that there are currently two Xcode betas extant right now. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. for iOS 3. Point, sorry, 3. 8.2. Oh, right, yeah. Um, I didn't and, about that. And this new one, which has been posted, is actually for iOS 8.3. Uh, so right. that's actually Xcode beta five for eight point two, mm-hmm. and this is Xcode beta one for eight point three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and if you pull it down from developer.apple.com, the new one, a uh, um, Xcode six point three, it's called, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the same file name as the as the eight point two beta, 
Right. So you either really? have to rename. Yeah, you either have to rename the 8.2 Xcode or overwrite it. And frankly, I just overwrote mine uh, because I wasn't really using it. But right. Um, I, I'm just throwing in the towel on iOS 8.2 because it looks like Apple is going to go, if not immediately to 8.3. Uh, it won't be long, I don't think. Well, I mean, we've been using 8.2 so far because of the watch kit stuff, like, and apparently right. it's still in there. So Right. That must be it, because the combination of engineering effort for the watch and for mm-hmm. and for Swift is probably causing this fracture to occur. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on there anymore. <laughs> Which is basically what uh, you've been saying for the last couple of months. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, I guess this, all of this stuff, right? Like the, the couple things you just talked about, these two major initiatives, Swift and the Apple Watch that's impending. Right. Um, that really makes me hope that the rumors of iOS 9 being the Snow Leopard release for iOS. Speak I, it, brother. I really hope that's true. I really, yes. really hope. Say that again? I was not being the what? So the there's rumors coming out. Uh, and at this point, you know, we're close enough to WWDC that maybe they're sure. close enough yeah. to be true. But the, the scuttlebutt is that iOS 9 will be primarily focused on stability and bug fixes. Yeah, yeah. Like so that. performance that, yeah. enhancement, not really the right. Precambrian explosion features that we got. Well, then, the again, then again, then again, that, that sort of raises the question is, does that require them to go to it, to iterate to a full dot zero or, you know, digit dot zero, or should it be 8.5? Well, it probably should be, but it's Apple. So I'm guessing they would, but just like Snow Leopard, um, it will have, I presume many new features as well, mm-hmm. but I think any particular focus given to stability of existing features is more than welcome and by many yeah. people. Yeah. Um, there's there's issues all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I think it's inevitable given that a yearly release schedule, especially, you know, when you get up to version nine of a of an operating system, uh, you know, the, the low hanging fruit in terms of features has been pulled. And so now we're, we're we really should be working on making it better and working more reliably for everyone. Right, right. You know, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went hand in hand with uh, an OS ten version that that had a similar focus. Right. Because so many of these features, when they fall down, it's the stuff that's in between the Mac and the and iOS. Hmm. Uh, you know, handoff continuity and those things. Uh, AirDrop still. Uh, still giving you grief, eh? Oh yeah, it 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 has been known to work, but it is totally unreliable. Mm. See, this is why we need that Snow Leopard release for iOS, because my experience, in contrast, is I, I freaking love continuity and airdrop. I'm mm-hmm. constantly sending files that I previously would have emailed to myself, like screenshots and whatnot. I'm just sending exactly. them right to my MacBook Pro, and it works yep. 100% of the time for me. You're such an ass. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> gloating. I'm just saying, like, He's not like, this is not does, good. That, like, for me you know, the rest of the world, you know, Canada needs to be able to experience airdrop, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Yeah, oh, God. Good. That's what it is. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it comes it comes with, it, with uh, yeah, iTunes radio. Oh. Um, well. It's all those extra U's, man. It just hurts the bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, it's true. it's true. I love it. But no, you know, you're still a dick. Um, <laughs> well, it works for Tim, right? I, you know, and I, and, yes, it does. Yeah, like an idiot, I keep trying it again and again because I know that it's there, and I want to yeah. use it, and I want it to work. And yeah, yeah, sometimes it does, and tons of times, more often than not, it does not work. It's on that note, do you when you do you occasionally see the little Safari icon in the lower right hand corner of your phone? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. That that that. And, uh, and when you drag off, up on, does that work? Handoff no? works. Yes. Oh, hand up to us. Okay. Yeah, much more reliable. Um, okay. And the continuity features, like everything rings when I get a call, for example. That's Yeah, that's yeah I finally figured out how to turn that all off. Yeah, yeah. My dad did yeah. the same thing. He's like, son, you got to help me with this. <laughs> <laughs> turn this goddamn thing off on my computer. <laughs> Don't yeah, want my computer yeah. to ring. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's a, I think it's a cool feature. But it's the airdrop is the one that's giving you grief, right? Totally. Yeah. Huh. That's weird. What's your what's your network hardware? Like, do you have a I have a Apple base station yeah, or Time yeah. Capsule or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got the brand new current uh, Airport Extreme base station. Right. So the big tall one. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. running the latest software. You know, it's it should be uh, rock solid. Yeah, yeah. It, it is not. Maybe you need to take it out from under the blanket. <laughs> oh my god! It turns out my blanket is laced with uh, a Faraday, Faraday cage. cage. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's actually in sync in the recording too. <laughs> uh huh. So that would be great if Apple if Apple can put a focus on stability for all its features because you know it's not enough that it works just for you guys it's got to work for everyone and if it's working poorly for me you know mm-hmm. we know it's working for poorly well, for a I, lot of people we know you and and it's I not just seen... airdrop yeah yeah you know? well I saw a tweet from from Rob Senior uh, at the score I think right yep he uh, he was complaining about it on uh, Twitter the other day too I think. Well, it's not it's not just AirDrop, right? Like it's all kinds of things that that don't work properly. Yeah, you know, yeah. like on my iPad, uh, rotation still doesn't always work properly. Hmm. You know, it's it's little things, and you know, I was I think I've mentioned this before, but I've been thinking about making a note every time something happens. Right. Uh, whenever I use Apple products, and I think that would be a significant list after a week. Well, I think I think it's. Um... Uh, what's her name? Uh, designated Nerd is her, her handle on Twitter. I don't know that. Her one. name's Ellen Ellen Shapiro. Okay. Um, she's keeping track. I think she's I think she's the one is keeping track of every time a uh, source kit crashes on her. She was putting a oh source kit. Yeah, another just just as an example, like on Twitter, she was going okay, that's number twenty seven or whatever. Okay, yeah, just yeah, something well, to do. It's just much more than that, though, and it, it's it's a much broader problem than mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. one particular issue you know mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's the way it is and i i hope that's true i hope that rumor turns out to be true i was gonna say do you want to talk about rw devcon thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i suppose we could segue to our rw devcon ding. ding um we were um we were uh well i mean the thing about uh, the ray wonderlake group Ding. Oh, I'm waiting for the ding. Thank you. Um, is that you know uh, a while ago it was decided to switch over to Swift completely. So the uh, the whole gist of RWDevCon was, I mean, it wasn't necessarily focused on Swift, but all of the demos, all of the talks, everything was was uh, done in Swift. Um, and uh, there were you know several. There were some some um, source source kit crashes, but you know, nothing nothing really ma- major about it. Um, and it was good because. On an internal note, for the uh, speaking as a member of the team, um, it was good because we we because we've been keeping in touch with each other. We've been following each other. You know, some of the guys have been writing for the, the site for a number of years. I'm going to try and stop saying uh, Ray Winterlake or RW just as much as I can Ding. to avoid the dinging. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, some of them have worked on the site for many years, and they hadn't even met Ray for you know this was the first time they'd actually met Ray in person because some of the guys you know there's a lot of people in Europe you know we had some of the people in Australia. They didn't come, but some of the Brits came over. Um, in fact, uh, Mick Pringle and um, Jake Gunderson, they do the podcast, and they never actually met each other until this weekend. So that was kind of an interesting thing. We toured around, a little bit of, bit of tour of the Smithsonian, checked out a few things. I personally went to the space shuttle. I think I put a picture up on the blog about that. Um on the more than just code, must just code. But it was a really cool thing. Uh, the, the format for the... Um, the talks, uh, the tech talks were really cool because they started out with, you know, about they, each one, each speaker was restricted to five slides. So they had five slides to talk about the theory of what they were going to talk about, whether it was collection views or UI view animations or um, uh, Saul did um, core data. Um, so they, they did five slides and then they, they did a hands-on demo where they basically went through and they did like a leader-led kind of session and, and we had all the materials on our uh, our computers um, and we kind of went through the, the technology that the person was talking about at the same time as they were doing it. Um, and then we were led, then we were immediately went into a lab. So it was like, you know, 10, 30 minutes of lab and or yeah, 30 minutes, of, 30 minutes of demo and then 15 minutes of lab and then I don't think I don't think I was in a session where we actually got to the challenges, but there were challenges which were sort of takeaway homework pieces. But what was really cool about it was unlike most tech um, conferences that you go to, where you have got a guy up the front talking, you know, showing his twenty or thirty slides and talking about some whiz bang technology, and you sort of think to yourself, "Hey, that'd be really cool. I'll try that when I get back to the hotel room, or I'll do it later." And you and you eventually you never get around to it. What was cool about this was you actually got to do the hands-on stuff, and for me. 
I find doing the hands-on stuff is how I learn, right? Um, I, I learn best by somebody, you know, sort of walking through and, and showing how the pieces go together. Um, so I think from, and they had three different tracks. So they had a beginner track, an intermediate track, and an advanced track. So, you know, but the beginner wasn't really a beginner. That was one of the sort of comments on the, in the, uh, the post-mortem that uh, Ray put together. Um, the beginner stuff was was there was some some uh, expected like they they published that you know you should download this and you should try some of these tutorials before you come into the conference so that you're ready to hit the ground running when you when you get in there, but overall it was a great format for for a conference. Um, uh, one of the coolest things from from my point of view is that uh, Saul um, did a real cool thing. He was talking about core data. And he kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat because he actually showed us how to do how to set up core data and make the connections in Interface Builder, right? Which was really kind of cool. And it was a bit of a, tri a bit of a trickery. Um, at one point, you try and connect. Um... You tweeted about something like that, didn't you? Yeah, I, I did post a tweet about it, and uh, there was a screenshot that you put in there. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of cool. I'll put that in the show notes too. But um, yeah, anyway, there, there was a, a point there where uh, I think it was a core data stack. You couldn't connect it to the um, to the interface builder because the interface builder, when you when you do when you do a control drag, it'll only connect to things that actually make sense. Um, so Saul's trick was to go back into the code and change it from whatever type it was cast to to and change it to any object. And then Interface Builder goes, oh, okay, I can connect to that. And then you make the connection and you go back to the code and switch it back, and you can actually put. Uh, it retains the connection. Oh, that's yeah. a dirty hack. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's like opening the storyboard in source code view and <laughs> yeah, make the connection that stuff, way. Yeah. I've heard of people, I've heard teams do teams working that way, but uh, the uh, but it was cool because because uh, it was a neat trick. He said he found that on on um, a Stack Overflow, and, and you know, if somebody asked him point blank, uh, would he do this in production? He said no. No, obviously. <laughs> but it was insane. it was really cool. It was really cool. It, it actually did work. I mean, the, the code did compile. We did actually get the data in the cells. It was really kind of really kind of a neat thing. Hmm. Um, yeah, the biggest I think the biggest complaint overall for for all of this, the tech sessions was time. I mean, it would have, it would have been nice to have more time. And I think they're probably going to work that into into uh, future um, uh, conferences. I think the scuttlebutt is, is is that there there probably will be another another uh, RWDivicon next year. Uh, but uh, Ray hasn't committed to that yet. Um, I'm trying to think here, what else we got here? So, the, so Ray posted a post mortem on the site. He actually did uh, a talk at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the conference and at the end, um, and then he posted a post mortem on the site. So um, we can put a link to that in the show notes. Um, but the, one of the highlights too was was uh, one of the original team members is a guy named uh, Marin Tartarov that I've talked about before on the show. Um, he was working on a super secret book on iOS uh, animations using uh, by tutorials, which is the typical name of a Ray Wunderlich book. Ding. And um, set a call, you know, basically setting Swift, using Swift, but setting it in motion, doing some really cool animations. And, and um, I mean, he did, I remember he mentioned on Slack a couple of weeks ago that he was working on a super secret project. Only the editors and Ray and, and Mar um, Marin knew he was working on the book. And so at the beginning of the conference, he announced that, uh, you know, he was this book was going to be coming out and look forward to it and all that kind of stuff. And it's actually listed on the site now. But the surprise was if you went to the closing keynote um, where Ray uh, did the did the postmortem, they actually gave everybody at the conference a copy of the book, which was really kind of cool. Nice. You got one then? Yeah, I got one, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, so that was it. Was really cool. It's a good, really, really good conference, and uh, definitely, uh, definitely, it's going to be. Um, it certainly raised the bar as far as I'm concerned for tech conferences. I mean, I'm, I've been to. I mean, WWDC is it's in a league of its own, um, but you know, there's there's very little chance in in those kind of talks to do the hands-on stuff. Um, you know, been to NS North, you know, which is more of a business type thing, or business of apps, more around you know the business of being a developer. And some inspiration about being developers, some how-to stuff. Um, I've never been to Singleton, so I can't speak about that. It's but, very um, similar, or it yeah. was. And then, <laughs> and then uh, 360 iDev. I mean, that's of course where Jaime and I met two years ago, and actually that's where I met Ray. Um, made made my introduction to him. Um, but uh, you know, those kind of talks. Um, Jaime, you can throw in a con contribution here, but they're they're kind of like you go there, and it's it's a typical. Uh, and I don't mean to belittle it, but it's like. 
it's, you know, you go up there and somebody does a presentation and they talk about the stuff and you kind of sort of follow along and you might, you know, down, get it right down a GitHub lo link or maybe get the slide deck or something later on. But, uh, the real the reality is, is I don't think, you know, a lot of us are, are kind of busy in our daily lives. We don't really always get back to doing that kind of stuff. Right. So, mm -hmm. I think they're very different kind of conferences, right? So, yeah, I mean, what, what you just talked about is like, it's it, in general, it would be something that is very specific, right? So like a 360 yeah. idea of a cocoa conflict, here's this really specific problem. You're coming to this mm -hmm. session because mm -hmm. you want to understand more about that problem and how mm -hmm. to avoid it. Right. Yeah. Or, or learning yeah. best practice sort of thing. Yeah. Something like a WWDC is in a, in a classes of its own, as, as you said, because it's here are all the things that are coming up. Here's, you know, some, you know, step-by-step step showing you what's going on, but, but really quickly and briskly because there's not much time. There's other topics to cover. Mm -hmm. This conference sounds like it's completely different in that it's much more about trying to get some specific things done, right? Like, uh, like a mini tutorial on something, a little bit of overview. And then most of it is hands-on and, and, and doing some, some things like the, the it's thing a learning sense, experience. Yeah, yeah, it's, and, very, and it's very similar. It's very similar to the site, like in terms of you know you go there, you you, uh, you By the way, uh, we were going to talk about it last week, but I'll mention it now. I just had a new article published on Touch ID, you know, where the idea behind it is you go there and and you read through and and we walk you through an example on how to use that technology in your new, your app. So you don't go into all the you know the extensive detail you could on building a real app, but we talk about a specific technology. So mm -hmm. with, with some hands-on stuff, right? Yeah. And the Good one article. that stands out to me here is, uh, you know, some of the concepts I'm quoting here, some of the concepts I spend hours reading about were cleared up in 30 minutes. And that sounds super valuable to me, right? Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's, it's worth its weight in terms of, yeah, I could read the tutorial. Maybe I'm not quite getting the concept is, you know, just because not everybody has the sort of like the same learning style. But if you're there with other people and you can ask your colleagues mm -hmm. or you can ask a physical person who knows about that topic. Yeah. I mean, instead uh, of a non-corporeal person. Well, <laughs> instead of a, Hey, like, let me send you a tweet. Okay. You're not getting what I'm talking about because maybe yeah. I'm, I don't understand what I'm talking about. So I don't know how to phrase the question properly. Yeah. Yeah. But having is, somebody say, Hey, come over here. Why is this not working? Oh, is that why? Okay. I didn't understand what was happening there. And that's actually it. I mean, like, you know, you, if you're a fan of the, the Ray Wendrug site, I didn't get a ding that time. Um, you Sorry. can <laughs> fell asleep at the wheel. I was I paused there for you and everything. Um, but if you're a fan of the Ray Wonder, like so, you know, you've, you've made, you've <laughs> been reading about these guys like Brian Moakley and Reggio and, and uh, Ryan Nystrom from Facebook and Saul Morrow from, you know, um, Coursera now, uh, and even Ray who writes stuff. Um, you know, you, you've, you've read these guys articles in the past, you know, there's, there's a, like I said, there's a hundred people on the team. Um, and, now was your chance to actually put your hand up and have Ryan come over to your desk and tell you about, you know, the UI view controller transition animation protocol delegate. I think that was the longest um, class name in the whole thing. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, you know, that was a kind of cool thing to be able to have, you know, the, the get it from the guy who, uh, Oh, one of the coolest guys that was there was, was um, Scott Goodson from uh, uh, who's it with now? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ex of Apple, you know, graduated, you know, with a double major, like 18 or something ridiculous like that. Um, but he was like, you know, uh, like that was the, the, the most brainiac kind of uh, lecturer that was at the, at the entire conference. Right. But to have these people in the room, you know, when and, and stick your hand up and have them come over and help you, that was great. Very intensive, I imagine. Yeah, it was a very, you know, it was a very, um, uh, you you, did, you certainly did get to get to try stuff out. I mean, you know, um, and it was only two days. It was really short but really intense. It felt like it felt like a week. You know. Can so I ask you a couple good. questions? Sure. Um, first, and it's not clear to me, and you can yeah. clear this up, whether this is only for people who are contributing to the Ray Wenderlichting website, um, <laughs> or is it was this open to the public? Oh no, this was a, this is a public conference. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to make it sound like it was a private group. Um, I'll, I'll let, let it go this time, Tim. Um, <laughs> but Thanks, uh, that's cool. Um, my, other, my other question is not actually a question, but a statement. And sure. it's along the lines of what we were just talking about earlier about the value and the different types of conferences that are mm -hmm. available out there. Um, 
because this is a very that was a very technical conference, RWDevCon, sure. and um, I was sort of I've been thinking lately, and I actually have been for some time about different ways of learning to do mm-hmm. development, um, specifically iOS development in this case, obviously, um, yep. because you know you, you've uh, heard of Big Nerd Ranch. Yes, I take it. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. They they're sort of quite well. pretty much the gold standard if you're going to want you know to get started as mm-hmm. a developer, uh, going to those guys and spending the five thousand dollars and taking the course, going there for mm-hmm. a weekend to Georgia, to Georgia mm-hmm. and coming back you know with with hard practical knowledge of how to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm not a beginner anymore, and uh, I was one you know thinking about where I could go to improve my skills that I already have. Right. right. And there are very few that I know about opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this sounds like one of those opportunities. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, like, you know, uh, I consider myself an intermediate to advanced um, user myself and or developer myself. And, yeah, I mean, I was, I was like I said, the UI view controller animation trans, transition animation de- protocol delicate that was tough you know that was a, that was a tough one um but then but then you had things like you got to see Saul Morrow pull rabbits out of his hat and that was that was very entertaining but the advanced track was advanced maybe maybe it could it could go a, another level higher but i think you know the other thing too is you really i mean half an hour goes by really quickly when you're when you're when you're sitting in front of code you know so mm-hmm from that perspective, it was it was great stuff. I mean, you know, uh, it was, they were very polished. I must have to say that. I have to kudos to the guys at. Uh, here we go again. The RayWinderlick.com. So, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking though. I wonder what other opportunities there are like that. For, yeah, I don't know. For developers I mean, who are already experienced and want to improve their skills, how can they do that? Well, we talked to some of the some of the um, the British guys that were there um, at the hotel. They were talking about some of the conferences that happen in Europe, and I think that some of them are quite different too. Um, like some of them are really inexpensive too, which is kind of cool. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there's some. I mean, what are the Cocoa Cons like? You've been to those, honey. Are they what's the what's the format of those? Those will be um, kind of one of two varieties, and and, and to be fair there's a pre-conference workshops mm-hmm. that are you know much more similar to, to this conference where mm-hmm. you're you're dedicated to half a day to a day on on learning how to do something like actually writing code for that sure yeah um but the sessions themselves are either going to be overview like hey here's what you know extensions are all about and here are the different kinds of extensions and a little bit of code on implementing some of them but you're more mm-hmm. you know watching something right mm-hmm. you're, you're not mm-hmm. actually like hands-on doing it um or they're as i said earlier like they're very specific like here's how to set up your core data stack like just the way right to do it right, properly right. yep um so hmm. yeah aaron for, for for what you would need you, you would probably have to be real choosy on looking at the the specific agenda and seeing if there's enough of the things that you're interested in honing otherwise it might be kind of a grab bag yeah 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 yeah, I mean some of the some of the stuff at 360i Dev. I mean, uh, have some of the some of the talks are, were pretty high level stuff. I mean, Aaron Douglas was talking about uh, some stuff. Um, I think it was Core Data, right? Did you go to those ones, Jaime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that was sort of at a high, higher level. Like you weren't talking about you know how to set up Core Data 101. You were talking about how to do this kind of stuff. And actually, uh, Saul's talk was actually on multi-threading in Core Data. So that was it wasn't just you know. Here's how we set up core data. That would have been in an intermediate or even a, maybe not a beginner level, but um, Saul's talk was definitely an advanced one, right? So, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. So what I put into the show Ray's notes for, yep. for folks who are listening is sure. uh, I remember there being like a top ten post on uh, the conferences, and I, I took a look yeah. at it. I've yeah. not been to some of these. In fact, mm-hmm. quite a few of them I have not been to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we just reassembled this one. Uh, um, couple of weeks ago i think ray just ray does this one every year this this uh post you're yeah. quoted in this one tim i am yeah i quote i was quoted on uh what i said about ns north where is that one no i was quoted where am i quoted you I, in, in uh, north, uh, number 360 nine. i did let's see hmm. i don't see i am quoted in this oh here it is it's under oh 360 i did yeah yeah 
Yeah, see, I, know I might change my opinion now because I said if you could only go to one conference this year, it would be a 360i dev in Denver, which I still believe. <laughs> it's a great mix of how to talk, talks, introduction to tech, new technologies, code and technology samples, and business ideas and tips. The climate and the weather are usually great, and so are the other attendees. Don't plan on doing anything, any sightseeing because the conference is packed with con- content. Mm-hmm. Anywho, good, good wrap on the conference, Tim. I'm glad you enjoyed cool. it. Um, let us know when it comes up next year. Well, we'll probably be on the same bat time, same bat channel. At least you get to go see the space shuttle. The space shuttle is, i got to tell you, the space shuttle, as far as technology goes, if you're a nerd, it is unbelievable. And and actually, at the um, if you're a space nut, the, uh, the Air and Space Museum in Washington itself, on the Washington Mall, actually has a lunar lander there. Cool. Like one of the one of the lunar landers from the that didn't make it to the moon, but that's, that, that was really cool to see and see how see how fragile that piece of hardware is, and just mm. imagine yourself landing on the moon and you know and spending spending a couple of days there. Yeah, pretty scary stuff. I would definitely like to see the space shuttle there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they have Atlantis uh, at Kennedy Space Center, which I visited last year. And yeah. that was that was an amazing experience. Well, that one's up on an angle too, and with the with yes. the doors open too, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, a friend of mine saw another one in um, maybe it was Endeavor in um, somewhere in California or Nevada, maybe. I think California in, in Los. Why Angeles. do we always talk about California when Mark isn't here? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's some, somewhere down there because yeah, a buddy of mine saw the saw the, that one. And that one's on a big angle too, and you can go, you can actually walk up to it and almost almost touch it. There was a Concorde at the at the uh, Air and Space Museum in. Uh, out in Virginia, which was really cool, parked in the middle of the the hangar there. Hmm. I'm a big Concord fan. Um, all right, so I guess we're getting ready to wrap up, and we'll do our picks. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, Jaime, have you got a pick? I do, and it's an extension. It's a keyboard extension called Wordboard, mm-hmm. or Wordboard Keyboard is the official name, mm-hmm. and um, it kind of fills in a nice little gap for some of the usage that I have on, on iOS. So the basic gist of this keyboard is that you can put in sort of like shortcuts. So I guess maybe text expander is the most, you know, the closest thing I can think of to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like this because it was pretty simple to just add in things like, you know, typing in your email can be kind of a hassle, especially with the, <laughs> the autocorrect deciding to like capitalize my name and do all sorts of things I don't want it to sure. do. Yeah. Um, or even, you know, when I send out notes about new episodes of this very podcast, I don't want to have to remember the iTunes link. Let's hit a button mm-hmm. and have that go in, right? I've, I've previously been using Clips to do some of this, but Clips isn't really meant for that, right? It, it doesn't organize the data in that way. It's more of a temporary storage while you're trying to move into something else. Mm-hmm. This is much more for your home address or email templates, Um Apparently, it can be used for Twitter and Instagram if you are hashtag crazy. You know, if you well, have... do you remember Quick Keys back in the day? You, well, mind you, wouldn't remember Quick Keys. You were you were a Windows dude back then. Do you remember Quick Keys, Aaron? Sure, yeah. Yeah, we used to do entire. I used to do entire drawings in Illustrator with Quick Keys. But anyway, just go on. Sorry, I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know, like one of the things that whenever I come up against these tools and Quick Keys was you know same thing. You know, when I was a Mac user back in the day. Um, mm. Still am, of course. But, you know, knowing or rather trying to decide what it is that you want to have shortcuts of mm-hmm. really to bring it home for you, you know, why you would want to use something like this. Um, I can't think of things like, you know, my home phone number, my home address, my email. Yeah, I guess. You know, I, I, I think I would use it so little that I wouldn't remember that they're there. Well, it's kind of like those Twitter conventions like, you know, OMG and, and RT and... Um... Yeah. Oh, you know, like, like, um, you know, everybody kind of, everybody kind of knows what those are or, or you end up going to Wikipedia at some point and looking it up. But, but wasn't there a shortcut key thing on, in iOS or sorry, in OS 10 already under key? Yeah. Key change, keyboard shortcuts. Yeah. So this is, sure. this is a, a, no, I mean, where you could do like a, you could type a snippet, like a couple yeah, of, yeah, like, you type like if I typed ITG, it. it would put my, my company name in or yep, something like yep, that. Yep, yep, yep. And so this is, this is an iOS you're talking, Jaime, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's an iOS right, keyboard right, extension. Right, right. Yeah, so as somebody who has accidentally, you know, put the wrong email address in, uh, for, in this case, Overcast, where I have mm-hmm. an unfortunate typo, 
mm-hmm. for my account, and it irritates me that I can't go in and change it. <laughs> I'm stuck mm-hmm. forever <laughs> with that. Mm-hmm. And it would have been avoided with this because I would have just hit my own email address button and it would have been just fine. Oh, dear. Most unfortunate. Your mileage may vary. Yeah. Can't beat the price. Mm. Okay. Um, Andy Matushak um, is an iOS developer at Khan Academy, and he did a talk at Realm, which is a company that makes um, sort of a SQL database core data replacement thing. Sure, um, yeah. And they, they, Realm, rather, posts the videos that they host at their corporate headquarters, I guess, from time to time. And this, this talk by Andy Matushak was just, was just posted um, today. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm looking at this today. Oh, really? Uh, yes, and I've got the link there. It will be in the show notes. Uh, Realm does a really nice job, actually, uh, with their videos that they post. Um, they're they're hosted by YouTube, but they are placed in sync with the um, the PowerPoint deck or oh, okay, cool. The speaker sli- the slides, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can play the video, and it'll advance the slides. They're sitting side by side in the browser oh, window. Cool. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Cool. Um, Anyway, this particular talk is is called Controlling Complexity in Swift. And his sort of I haven't watched it yet, but I've I've browsed the um the script of the of the talk. And it's about using Swift and taking advantage of its value types right. to uh as opposed to as opposed to object references. Um and sort of uh putting a, a greater focus on immutability in order to um, to come up with a way of, of dealing with complexity in source code, which is something that um, I'm, I'm very curious about these days, uh, dealing with a rather complex code base right now in my day job. Um, so this looks like a really interesting talk. And uh, coming from Andy Matushak, of course, a very experienced developer, formerly of Apple and now with Khan Academy, uh, someone worth listening to. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely recommend taking a look at this video if you haven't heard about it already. Cool. Well, ironically, Jaime talked about Andy Matushak last week. Uh, but yeah, this is a... Yeah, I'd mentioned a, a keynote that he gave at uh, CocoConf in Seattle in the yeah. fall. Right. Yes. And this seems like similar content, but it was so good. I'm going to review it again. And wow, mm-hmm. not only did do they have, you know, the video and the speaker deck slides, but they've also got like, I don't know if this a is script. a... Yeah. Is I, it a transcript or is it like I, a blog I, post underneath? I think it's a transcript. Um, oh wow! And with, with you see time, time, time signatures, yeah, too. Isn't that nuts? Like at nine fifty three, he was talking about why values are important. The three eyes, like that's yeah. that's a really cool way for somebody who was not there. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is hardcore stuff. Well, and I guess so. What's the story behind Realm then? Oh well, Realm is is a fairly new uh, technology, and it's it's proprietary, but I guess you can use it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's open source, uh, but oh, they have Realm, sort of right, commercial right, right, support. Right. Okay, I just remember doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just it's just a way of you know <laughs> brought to you by Realm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, they're they're looking at uh, to be a way to replace uh, uh, core data in your app. So if mm-hmm. you're if you're using core data in your app, uh, take a look at Realm instead. Uh, they've got they've got it now for Android. I didn't know that, but mm. um, iOS and, and OS ten support. Uh, and it's it's basically like uh, an API that you can use to store and retrieve data uh, in objects. Um, very straightforward. The only thing that that I felt was missing from Realm uh, was, and I, I think I'm sure this is coming too, is is a way to sync with a, a web service of some kind. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's no sort of syncing uh, component to this, but it feels like they're setting themselves up to to, to deliver that. I think they mentioned that they they came out on a couple podcasts and I want to say iDeveloper with uh, Scotty from the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is, uh, I think they mentioned that that that's not a feature, but right now, but that they are you know obviously wanting to add it, just like you know the the, the promise that core data syncing over iCloud was uh, supposed to provide. Yes, exactly. I think hmm. once they once they come out with that, it's going to be game over. <laughs> uh, assuming that the the uh, pricing model, you know, is is suitable, right, for the given app. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're, they 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 give it away for free. Um, Realm, yeah. Realm, yeah. So you can you can use Realm for free. Um, but they have like enterprise support. 
Um, so if you're if you're like a big business and you're planning to use this, then you can you can buy a support license. I think I think that's the idea. Right, right, right. right. But suffice hmm. to say, it is a proprietary solution, which some people get scared of. Um, but anyway, that's you know just a way of saying that. Have a look at that video by Andy Matushak. Knows what he's doing. I just love cool. saying his name too, Matushak. That just you know, isn't that a great sounding name? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm going to have to trump you guys and talk about him next week. Fine, do that. <laughs> See if I care. Yeah. <laughs> so my pick this week is actually by a friend of the show, Evan Deckheiser, who um, is a father and son development team where the son does the work. If you know what I'm saying? No, um, no. What are you saying? Well, he's he's 15. Um, turning 16 soon, but he's got this cool little utility he's he's made, and I think I, I think I, I don't know why, but I'm seem to be turning into the utility guy on the show. But um, it's called Contact Archiver, and what it does is it's an iOS app that runs on your device, and it goes into your contacts database. Um, Jaime and I were talking about that before you joined us this uh, this evening um, about the uh, address book. Um, framework. I think it's still kind of gangly and doesn't have a, a good set of handles on it. But what it does is, what the app does, is it allows you to open up your address book and lets you go through and call out all the um, contacts that you no longer uh, need. Like maybe they've been on your, your device for a long, long time. Um, and what was surprising for me when I ran the app was it even found some contacts that, I, that don't even show up in my um, my contact uh, app because they were maybe they were imported over from um, the old BlackBerry days. You know, mm. some of them had double quotes around them, and so Tricky. I had duplicate entries in here. So you know, you can, and it's just a matter of you, you simply go through and you just uh, tap on the character on the people you don't want to uh, have in your address book anymore, and then you just you can archive them. And what it does is it creates an archive on on the iCloud database um, and puts them aside, and you can decide to go in and delete them later on. Um, and if you if you're not sure who a person is, that's one of my questions to to him was uh, if it wasn't sure who somebody was, I could you know swipe to the left and it would click a more button would appear and I could click on it and I could actually read who the contact was and then you know oh yeah that's person I never want to see him again kind of thing. And what's good about it is that is that as we, I think I mentioned in the past that uh, my wife and I used to share you know we used to share an Apple ID and you know because of all this iTunes store nonsense and and we so we used to, and we used to share a computer. So um, as a result, she's got like 500 contacts in her phone database. Now that we're on separate iTunes, iCloud accounts, she's got 500 uh, accounts on her device that were imported over from me just through the fact that we were sharing the same space, right? Um, and now she can actually go through using this tool, con- uh, Contact Archiver, to get rid of those those contacts that she's never going to want to deal with, right? Um, and it's kind of cool. It's a cool little utility. It, uh, it's actually free today, and I, I think he's he was. Uh, we were helping him decide on on, on whether he's going to go free or go in at purchase or or what he's going to do. I'm not sure where he stands right now, but uh, you know he's kind of tossed. We were tossed. We were giving him some some you know real world advice from our experience as developers in terms of what we find was practical and usable. He was going to, and again, I was giving him the argument we were giving. Uh, over the last couple of weeks that, you know, people should pay for quality uh, software and it, it shouldn't just be free because, you know, it's, it's because that's the way the store kind of demands it or the public demands it. If, if, a, if something has actual utility, then, then people will be prepared to pay for it, in my opinion, you know? Totally. I mean, I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm, I, I downloaded it just now. Yeah. This is fantastic. I mean, I need this. <laughs> I've got, I've, I have accumulated scores and scores of contacts over the years yeah that i don't i don't even know who some of these people are anymore yeah yeah and yeah yeah, it's uh, actually a pretty nice interaction because you know i can be in archive mode like checking these guys and then if i don't know the name i can just swipe and choose more and have a look at the card and it doesn't doesn't break everything i've already selected Exactly, and I also like the fact, like I'm looking at this, I, I see some some uh, you know duplicate contacts. I see one person here named Candace with two different spellings, you know, and you know, and, yeah. and of course sometimes you end up with a card where it's just got the phone number, and then you've got another one that's got the address and the email and all that kind of stuff. And you, yeah, and you think I'm doing one like, right now. <laughs> so why do I need all this stuff, right? So not that it's eating up valuable space, but it is kind of it's, it's a. I think it's a very good utility, and I kudos to Evan for coming up with the idea. It's a oh, great idea. Nice. It's nice. 
Have you downloaded it yet, Jaime? <laughs> you know, I haven't, but I was I was thinking about. I wonder. Do you remember when it was what iOS five or iOS six when Facebook was integrated into the operating system? Oh, and then, oh, and then all of those God. Facebook entries that you know everybody yep. you were friends with got slurped up into your contacts. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe I should download this and get rid of some of those. Well, okay. even even just the birthday stuff. Like, I don't really care that so and so has a birthday next week. You know. So. Yeah, I don't need that in my contacts. That's what I have Facebook for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it remembers those things. Well, actually, in one of our in one of our apps that we did uh, a while ago, we have a we have a shared calendar, and we actually uh, made the default position for the calendar to not show the Facebook birthdays because we were getting complaints right off the right off the very beginning, right? So, yeah, so it's cool. It's uh, by my little buddy Evan Deckheiser, and um, yeah, I met him at the uh, at the conference. He was easy to spot because he's the youngest guy in the room. Sorry, he wasn't the youngest guy in the room. There were at least two other people younger than him. It was, uh, I think, a 12-year-old coder, and uh, he was in one of the classes, and uh, one of the instructors was giving out candy to people who finished their, their, their stuff early, and uh, the little guy had to ask his dad if he could have some candy. Nice. Because he wow. was the first one to finish in the room. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, little little uh, little guy there. I forgot his name. But yeah, he was totally blue. So I think he was 12. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Definitely the smallest gun in the room. But that, Evan, Evan, like I said, is 15. All right, so that... So that's it. We're calling it, as Aaron likes to say. And so, um, Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Twitter. That is Aaron Bay on Twitter. All right. And Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? At Dev of the Hair and Dev of the Hair dot com. Cool. He's resurrected the blog, folks. I've got posts <laughs> on there, including a controversial topic that was too controversial for more than just code podcasts. Really? How can that be? Ooh. Well, I, I, I think President Obama is probably getting involved in this one. I think there's Canadian government influence. Really? We have folks OMG. on this podcast that have wow. Canadian government connections. Does it, does it involve Tim Horton's coffee? It, it does not. But I, I do look <laughs> no. forward to having some Timmy's. I do have the Timmy app. Um, oh, you did? You downloaded the Timmy, Timmy Me app? I did. But it did, I yeah. mean, the closest one is 149 miles away from where I'm wow. in Seattle. Well, it's in Victoria. Let me, let me say this about Tim Hortons coffee, just so just so you know, we do actually have Starbucks here as well. So if you, mm -hmm. if you actually want to have a real coffee as opposed to that swill that they serve at Tim Hortons, you can uh, certainly. I mean, the donuts are good, but the coffee not so much. In my opinion, I, I realize you know, my opinions do not reflect those of the More Than Just Code podcast. But I'm a go. tea drinker, so have all the opinions you like. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll still try it out though, because I'm trying to have the uh, the real Canadian experience. Canadian, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, even yeah. Say, he's even saying Canadian properly. That's good. Get some you know, I, chips while you're at it. Canadians, I mean Canadians, right? Like, Americans are from America. <laughs> Canada, yeah. Canada. Well, you know, that, in, the name in, of the country in, needs to be Canada. Well, you know, our, the the uh, first Western language of Canada arguably was French, so it's uh, Canadien. There you go. Okay. Like the Montreal Canadien. <laughs> All right, so that's it. We're calling it, and we'll say goodbye. Bye-bye now. Goodbye. See you next week. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast if you'd like to support us you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc you can provide us a little as a dollar amount any amount helps however you're free to do as you please thanks again for listening Pause the show at this point. Sure. Do, 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 do. Here we go singing again. Yeah, yeah. What What are you doing, Tim? Exactly. I'm just res responding to a text message from a client. Yeah. <sighs>
I know, I know. You're recording a podcast. I know. Man. I just told him I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> well, make him wait. We're only going to be like ten more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, she's going she's gonna, to keep dinging me, and it's going to drive me crazy. So, uh, Billy was going to test uh, out the. You know, did Tim actually configure handoff or continuity so that it doesn't ding him everywhere? You no, know, my my uh, yeah. That's uh, the messages for some reason dings on my on my. Um, mm-hmm. Oh shit! I just sent the wrong person. See, see what happens. Wait, did you send it to the wrong person? Well, if you had Wordboard, (laughs) you could have just chosen that person's name and you wouldn't have auto-completed to the wrong one. Oh my god, my face. (laughs) Your face? Can we do my pick now? (laughs) Sure, you have got a pick there, Aaron? I do. It's like you don't even read the document anymore. Well, it's 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 a live document. I'm I'm recording a podcast right now. (laughs) mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.